Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics, with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. I am one of those white, common-sense conservatives. I believe in science, and I have not taken the shot. One, because the waitress never came back to ask me if I was ready for that shot. But two, um, because I do believe in science and the Fauciism of the day back then was if you had COVID, I've had COVID, well then Mother Nature was creating yeah. an immunity. And, and even today they say, you know, you're 27% more immune. 27 than, times. Yeah, okay, times. 27 times. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. so um, I want to ask the questions. Well, let's ask those questions, Mark. Great to be with you. InformedDescentMedia.com, another great episode. So much to talk about and so little time. Governor Palin wants to ask that question, and everybody's asking that question. It's really a question that shouldn't need asking because it's been answered for generations. And that is specifically, if you recovered from COVID or any other viral illness, chicken pox, measles, mumps, rubella, etc., um, what's the point of vaccinating after you've recovered from such an illness? And the evidence is pretty compelling. The narrative coming out from Washington, D.C., CDC, unelected healthcare bureaucrats is very confusing, which leads me to believe that this is political, not scientific. And that is specifically somebody who's recovered from COVID. What does their immunity look like? Is it long lasting? Is it broad based? And how does that compare to vaccine immunity? What do you think, Mark? How would you answer Sarah Palin's question? Well, the answer two years ago was, why are you even asking the question? (laughs) The fact that we're asking this question reveals it to be a question being posed in the midst of a sustained political propaganda war, specifically targeting natural immunity. Because as you said, natural immunity occurs naturally and almost invariably for any viral infection that someone catches and recovers from. And that was never open for even debate until about one year ago. And now it seems to be hotly contested. Yeah, no kidding. There's a a great article I read uh, by Daniel Horowitz, and and the title is 15 Studies That Indicate Natural Immunity from Prior Infection is More Robust Than COVID Vaccines. When you look at the COVID vaccines, you know, remember a year or so ago when they came out, we were told how wonderful they were, 95% effective, et cetera. And as real life data starts to come out, we realize they're a lot less effective than 95%. I read an article out of Israel, where in Israel, they're the most vaccinated country on earth. I think something like 95% or 85% of their adult population is vaccinated while 75 to 80% of all COVID hospital admissions are in the vaccinated uh, population, that the Israeli Ministry of Health looked at that and concluded that the vaccine efficacy is only about 39% against the Delta variant, which, as we know, the Delta variant is the predominant variant. The original COVID virus really doesn't exist anymore. It's all Delta and maybe Lambda and some Mu coming down the line, Uh, but it's basically all Delta. 
And if the vaccine is only 39% effective against the Delta variant, you know, how does that compare to natural immunity from somebody who has recovered? And, you know, there's, there's no comparison, really. When somebody has recovered, um, listen, I've treated hundreds of patients that have had COVID. I have not seen a single patient who has recovered from COVID that has gotten COVID a second time. I read about it. I hear anecdotal evidence about it, but it's not really a thing. If it does come up, in my mind, it's likely that that patient never really had COVID the first time. It wasn't documented because these COVID tests um, have a high false positive uh, rate. So it's possible that they thought they did, but they didn't really. But I am seeing a lot of my vaccinated patients come down with COVID. And although in the United States, we're behind Israel, um, we're not seeing the same numbers of hospitalized patients, although I have an article that uh, kind of questions the statistics of hospitalized patients. But nonetheless, it's vaccinated patients that seem to be getting COVID, not recovered patients that get COVID. It's clear to me, just based on what I know about science and history and viruses, that if you recover from COVID, there's no reason to get vaccinated. And as a matter of fact, there are studies that show you have an increased risk of vaccine related serious side effects if you've recovered and you get vaccinated. So it, you know, Governor Palin asked the question, it should be a rhetorical question that all healthcare experts um, should be saying. And that is, congratulations, you've recovered from COVID. You're good. You don't need a vaccination. You don't really have to worry. It's unlikely you're going to get it a second time, which means you really don't need to wear a mask or show, you know, vaccine passports, and you should be good to go, but they're still pushing these vaccines. Unvaccinated, um, recovered, it doesn't matter. Everybody, according to the CDC, is being recommended to get a vaccine, and it just doesn't make, it doesn't make sense to me. It's also interesting that even now, we are not advising anyone, really, to go and get themselves tested with a high specificity and high sensitivity blood test to see if they have actual immunity to the virus. Because once that's done, then you know whether or not you've had this disease and whether or not you've recovered. A lot of the people that you mentioned that we hear about anecdotally who have been supposedly infected two or three times very likely had influenza or some other similar virus last yep. year, but because we're not testing for influenza, and because there's been really virtually no diagnoses in the last year, everything is just this coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus diagnosis, people have come back and said, oh, you know, I caught it two or three times, so you can get it again, unlike, as you said, chickenpox. And that's actually very unlikely. It's probably just a missed diagnosis, or as you said, a missed test, a false positive. So the, the immunity test is really critical. Absolutely. Remember, the CDC pulled the emergency use authorization on the uh, COVID-19 PCR test because they said it couldn't differentiate between COVID and influenza. So I suspect a lot of the cases last year and even deaths last year had nothing to do with COVID, uh, but was due to inf was due to influenza. And I don't I mean, listen, if it if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, I treat it as such. So when when patients get 
COVID and they have typical symptoms, I don't necessarily need to test them. And if you've gotten COVID or you think you did and you recovered, you can just go in. It's a simple test. Your doctor can order it through all the commercial labs, LabCorp, Quest, et cetera. And you can check for antibodies against COVID. There is a group of patients that after several months, their antibodies against COVID go away. They're no longer detectable, but you can still test for T-cell immunity. And by the way, you don't even need a, a, a physician to do that. There's a website that you can order a kit. It's called T, letter T, detect. And you can order a kit and you take that kit to any commercial lab, LabCorp, Quest, whatever it is near you. They'll draw your blood. It takes about a week and you get results. And so if you don't it's about have about two hundred $200, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, about $200. So it's an easy test. And Governor Palin's question should be easily answered. And that is, she recovered from COVID, assuming that she actually had it. Makes no sense for her to get vaccinated. She should have long-lasting, broad-based, strong immunity. And in fact, I would argue that she's at higher risk of serious vaccine complications, side effects, if she does get vaccinated because of the antibodies that she has naturally circulating in our body. There's, a, there's an article I read, and the title of it was, Why Does the CDC Recognize Natural Immunity for Chickenpox, But Not for COVID? And it's true. They do. I had chickenpox when I was a little kid. My mom dragged my brother and I down the street to a kid's house who had chickenpox. So we had, a, I guess, a chickenpox party that was before the vaccine was available. Um, but once you get chickenpox, nobody expects me now to get the chickenpox vaccine because I have lifelong immunity. And the CDC recognizes this, but somehow they think that COVID is different. And I, I don't understand why. Even the military recognizes immunity to other vaccinations. They require their soldiers get just about every vaccination known to man. Um, but if they've recovered from the disease, you had measles as a kid or chicken pox from, as a kid, et cetera, they don't require you to then get the vaccine if you can show that you have immunity. But somehow COVID is different and it really shouldn't be different. Uh, I'm aware of a group of soldiers that is suing the military because of this. And they're saying, listen, we've recovered and recovered soldiers should not be mandated to get a vaccine that isn't necessary and potentially puts these soldiers at risk of vaccine injury. Uh, the vaccine offers nothing for somebody who has recovered other than the potential for side effects. And we know that the immunity from natural immunity is stronger than vaccine immunity, as we talked about. The vaccination is less than robust as advertised. Um, and, you know, listen, that I think Governor Palin's question is a good question. Uh, it should be asked broadly. It was asked to Dr. Fauci, I understand, over the over the weekend at one of the Sunday shows. And he kind of shrugged his shoulder and said, well, we don't really know and we need to investigate it and study it and just kind of blew off the question as, a, as if it wasn't a serious question. It's hard not to believe that the reason why they don't want to answer that question is because it would remove from the playing field a lot of potential unvaccinated people that they could go after uh, in order to profit more from the vaccine. And by the way, they're now coming after our children. I spoke to a Navy SEAL recently who got sick, got infected with one of these viral variants, 
and was essentially asymptomatic the entire time. He was doing underwater two and a half minute uh, breathing exercises. The day that he got sick and wound up uh, with a positive test, he just had a couple of sniffles and a mild fever. It was nothing. Well, he was asked to, not asked, he was required to get vaccinated a few months later, and he was completely out of commission for over 10 days after the vaccination. So what knocked him out was the vaccine. It wasn't the virus. And he offered a piece of information that I was shocked to hear, which is that out of, I believe, approximately 300,000 active duty military, there has not been a single death from coronavirus or one of its variants in the U.S. military, not one. That's an amazing statistic. There's been a minimal number of hospitalizations, and yet the number of vaccine-related injuries and very soon likely deaths is going to far surpass that. No, no question. I've seen vaccine injuries, um, and uh, you know, fortunately, nothing too serious. Um, case of Bell's palsy, somebody that had very mild Guillain-Barré-like symptoms, partial paralysis. Fortunately, it recovered. Uh, I have seen patients that have had um, persistent sim symptoms, fortunately mild, but months after the vaccine, brain fogginess, uh, weird tingling sensations, and fatigue. So the vaccine injuries are real. And I'm not anti-vax, and I'm not saying this because I think, therefore, nobody should ever get a vaccine, but I'm saying this because People should make informed decisions about whether to get vaccinated or not. And if they're not told the truth and told the full spectrum of information, then they can't really make an informed decision about whether to get vaccinated or not. And listen, Pfizer's own data, Pfizer is telling us this, that the Pfizer vaccine efficacy weakens over time. This was an article published last week in the Epic Times, and they Basically, Pfizer is, is at least, I mean, they can't not tell the truth here with the data. Based on the data, Pfizer claimed that boosters should now be given all people aged 16 and older. By the way, the FDA came out. Actually, it was the advisory panel to the FDA. That's a not, not government um, employees, but advisors to the FDA. They have no regulatory authority. They're just advisors. They came out and recommended strongly against booster shots. And so the FDA, in this case, took that recommendation and agreed that they would not be mandating booster shots um, for, for adults. They will allow them for high-risk people older than 65 or significant underlying conditions, but they won't recommend it to the general population. So this article says, based on the data, Pfizer claimed that boosters should be given to all people 16 and older six months after they received their second dose of messenger RNA vaccine. So back to Governor Palin, who asked the question about natural immunity and the efficacy of vaccines. If you need a booster shot six months after you complete your vaccine series, that tells you something right there about the efficacy of the vaccination. Um, so... 88, so the F efficacy drops from 88% in the first month following the series of vaccines uh, to 40%, 47%. This is Pfizer's own data, not me making up data. This is the Pfizer BioNTech uh, vaccine. It drops to 47% efficacy. What that means is 
the ability of the vaccine to prevent somebody from coming down with COVID-19 is 47%. That's less than 50% after five months. So that's why they're saying, you know, our vaccine kind of sucks after five months and you need a booster. Well, that tells you a lot about the vaccine right there is that it's not a very good vaccine if you're needing a booster after only six months. And they're even acknowledging that it drops, the efficacy drops below 50%. I mean, that that's, you know, this is a, if, if you went to the FDA with a vaccine and you said we're, we're less than 50% effective at presenting, preventing the disease, the FDA wouldn't even approve that vaccine. Um, so they originally presented data in the upper 90s. Now the reality is it's only in the mid 80s after the first month or so. And now it drops to less than 50% after, after five months. And, you know, so what you get with a booster is increased risk of side effects from the vaccine um, and, uh, you know, efficacy that's, that's worse than natural immunity. Back to Governor Palin's question. Is it even fair, Jeff, to call it a vaccine at this point if it neither prevents infection nor does it prevent the spread of infection? Isn't it simply a therapeutic in terms of how it acts? By, by definition, I mean, vac- vaccines, by definition, think of a flu shot, if you're listening. And a flu shot, we're used to, they, they, take a, they take flu virus, they alter it so it can't actually grow inside of you and cause an infection. So they attenuate the virus and they inject the virus into your body. Your body sees the virus that you're trying to protect against and you mount an immune response. COVID-19 is different. They take only one tiny aspect of that, of that virus, and that's the spike protein. And what they do is they, actually they don't take the spike protein, although there may be a vaccine coming up that does do that, but it's not yet available. That's the Novavax that is looking to do that. But what the, the way the COVID vaccine works is they take some genetic material that teaches your body's cells how to make that spike protein. So you're asking the body to make a toxin because that's part of the virus that you react to that makes you sick. So you give messenger RNA that forces your body to make this spike protein toxin. Your body then sees it and creates antibodies against it. So that's not the way traditionally we think of a vaccine working. You're right, it's a therapeutic. The idea is to create this therapy against the virus so you don't ultimately get sick. But what we're finding in vaccinated people is that they can still transmit the virus. So in fact, there's a study in healthcare workers that showed they carry a much larger viral load, vaccinated people versus unvaccinated people. And those vaccinated people that get COVID can actually spread that virus. So, you know, listen, we're accused of this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. There's an argument that this may actually be a pandemic of the vaccinated because unvaccinated people, especially those have, that have recovered, are good. They're immune. They can walk around, no mass needed. Um, maybe, we need, maybe they need to carry their I've recovered from COVID card rather than a vaccine card. I think that would be more powerful uh, on the chessboard, if you will, that's sort of the that's sort of the queen of cards. I've been I've recovered, and you know, and that's the most powerful powerful piece on the chessboard that they should carry around with them. Well, this raises a really in- interesting question. I think 
which is if you can remove a very large percentage of the population from consideration of either getting infected or spreading infection, meaning those who have natural immunity, and I think that it's pretty clear that that group fulfills both of those criteria, and we're looking at anywhere from 30 to 60% of the population at this point is in that category, depending on what reports you, you read and what statistics you use, then that leaves the rest of the population that has not gotten sick and has or has not received the vaccine. Those are the other groups. And if we're looking at just that group, and that's the only group we really need to be concerned about, then in my mind, the real important question is, what is the best therapeutic agent to give those people? Hmm. Is it a therapeutic vaccine or is it a therapeutic medication? And now the questions become a lot more clear. Instead of looking at vaccine efficacy and risk side effect benefits for vaccine versus nothing else, now you're comparing apples to apples and you're asking the question, so what's actually safer and more effective? One of these vaccines second, third, fourth, fifth time around, or some form of treatment, either before you get sick or right after you get sick. In my mind, that's really where we should be framing the debate. Yeah, I agree. And it and listen, the, the question has been asked and answered. I mean, we know the answer to that question. And if you just ask the country of India that question, um, they've got an answer. And what do they have an, as an answer? The, well, here, here's, the, here's the title of the article. Absolutely astonishing success rate of ivermectin in India, in Indian state, shreds horse dewormer propaganda. And there's a uh, area of India where they have a population of something like 200 million. Um, it's an area called, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce this, but it's called Uttar, U-T-T-A-R, Paradesh, P-R-A-D-E-S-H. I think it's Uttar Pradesh. There you go. 200 million people. <laughs> and you would expect with a population that large that the hospitals would be overrun with COVID, right? Sort of third world country um, and that they would just be COVID crazy over there. But nope. As of September 13th, they have exactly 175 active cases of COVID. Well, how can that be? Because they're not woke crazy like we are here as it relates to ivermectin and they made ivermectin widely available in india and they've been using it with great success as many of us here has been doing as well so the question is does the therapeutic known as covid19 vaccine work better than some of our repurposed medications such as ivermectin hydroxychloroquine and some of the other repurposed medications and I can tell you in my personal experience, it's it's crystal clear. I mean, ask the Israelis too. How's the vaccine working out? 85% of the adult population is vaccinated. But who's being hospitalized for COVID-19? Well, 75 to 80% of all hospitalizations in Israel are in COVID-19 fully vaccinated patients. So it would seem to me that if you're concerned about the vaccine and you ought to be, its efficacy and its side effects, that rather than worry about the vaccine, make sure you have access to early treatment with our repurposed medications, including Regeneron monoclonal antibody that's widely available, although except being, in Florida, although being distributed in a quote unquote equitable way by the federal government. 
um, and it works well. So you've got a whole bag of tricks from a treatment standpoint, like we do with many other diseases. Um, What's missing now is the ability of doctors to utilize these treatments and to do so without worrying about repercussions from medical boards and the media beating them up and calling calling us quacks and saying that we're using a horse dewormer medication. Rather, we should be advertising this. The media should be broadcasting this. Great news about ivermectin. Here's where you can get it. Regeneron, great studies show excellent results with early treatment. Here's a link where you can go get the Regeneron. You can get links all over the place where you can get a vaccination. They're certainly pushing access to that. They should be pushing access to medication for early treatment, as well as making the public aware of the importance of your vitamin D level, for example, and other supplements and just taking care of yourself uh, to be sure that you're in a position to help your immune system if you should get sick. How do you respond, Jeff, to these reports coming out that hospitals are overwhelmed, rates are skyrocketing of patients coming in sick because they are vaccine hesitant and they didn't get the shot and America's frontline workers are overwhelmed. Is there any truth to that? There's not. There's a great article out of The Atlantic, as a matter of fact. I mean, there's truth to it, uh, but it's propaganda truth. So they take the worst possible statistics and they blow it out of proportion. This is an article in the right-wing magazine known as The Atlantic. Clearly a bastion of the Trumpist white supremacist. This is a left-of-center uh, journal. And, and here, is, here is the title. Our most reliable pandemic number is losing meaning. A new study suggests that almost half of those hospitalized with COVID-19 have mild or asymptomatic, uh, asymptomatic cases. And what they're saying is if you get hospitalized for knee replacement surgery and you test positive for COVID, it's counted as a hospitalization for COVID in the numbers. Um, and what they did is they, they looked at a nationwide study of hospitalization records to gauge how these numbers have shifted over time. And they said that um, many of the COVID patients in the hospital with, had fairly mild symptoms Uh, and were admitted either for further observation on account that they had other comorbidities, diabetic or recovering from cancer or some other uh, disease that made them worried about their COVID diagnosis, or that they reported that they were feeling short of breath. Many of these hospitalizations were short-lived, sometimes just overnight or for a day or two and sent home. Um, So the studies suggest that roughly half of all the hospitalized patients showing up on COVID-19 data dashboards in 2021 may have been admitted for another reason entirely, or they only had mild presentations of disease. So this scaremongering propaganda that the hospitals are being overrun with COVID patients is just flat out propaganda and is not true. And fortunately, over the last week or two, we've seen case counts drop by up to 40%. Um, So we're getting better and better at treating it. More and more people are recovering from COVID naturally, and we're getting closer to herd immunity. It sounds to me like the government and the media and the pharmaceutical companies that are obviously all uh, colluding to profit from one another's fear-mongering are getting very desperate as people develop more and more natural immunity, as the 
wall of dis disinformation, lies, and propaganda starts to crumble against the overwhelming evidence that ivermectin and other therapeutics is not only highly effective, but also safe and more useful than any of the vaccinations appear to be with their waning efficacy, that they're going full tilt to terrorize the remainder of the population who has not been vaccinated into going and getting these shots so that they will not face this apocalyptic third world patients dying in the halls nightmare that we are hearing about in the news every day, which, as you just read, from the Atlantic of all places, left-leaning Atlantic has thoroughly debunked. Yeah, no, no kidding. Not only are they pushing the vaccine based on fear, but they're pushing the vaccine based on a reward system. Um, so you can't go to a restaurant. You can't go to Disneyland. There's a uh, Van Gogh um, uh, uh, presentation Exhibit. that's that's going around the country right now. My mom saw it. She thought it was fantastic. Uh, but you can't go unless you're vaccinated and you can show your vaccine passport. So we're heading in a tyrannical direction, and I'm glad to see people are pushing back, and the data is supporting that as well. Look forward to talking more about this with you, Mark. Again, informeddissentmedia.com. And uh, please send us your feedback. We uh, look at all the emails that we get, and uh, we appreciate you listening. You've been listening to Informed Dissent with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Informed Dissent. The intersection of healthcare and politics.